Hi guys, this is Vladimir Bosanets. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Potom Point podcast. 2020 has been incredibly disruptive for sports on all levels, from youth sports leagues to college athletics to professional sports and Olympics. Disruptions like these are also the starting point for change in sports, and we've already seen lots of innovation throughout the industry. To help us navigate this changing landscape, please subscribe, leave us a review, and tell your friends and family about our show. Reach out with show ideas and tell us what you think of our work. Your feedback will help us be on point even more. Hello there, listeners. Welcome to the first show of 2021 for the Pot on Point podcast. This is Mike McPhee coming to you from Denver, Colorado, where the peaks are calling all skiers and snowboarders, but you better get your reservations early, folks. And this is Vladimir Bosanets coming in from Seattle, Washington, where we kicked off the new year the same way we ended it, with rain. <laughs> on this week's show, we're going to kick the year off strong with a bang. First up, we're going to talk about a riff on pro salaries and, and the intersection with college. And then we're going to highlight a fitness brand that's just jumping off the page. So then our top stories, we're going to talk about some innovative new sporting events that will kick off here in the first quarter. And then in our second top story, as we kicked off this year, we're going to take a look at revenue targets for both the NFL and the NBA and how those may take shape. So it's going to be a great show to kick off the year, folks. Thanks for joining us on this fun ride. And let's throw this ball up and tip it off. Here we go. All right, Mike, welcome back to our 2021 Yes, indeed. Here we are. We can now officially say that we've been uh, recording this podcast uh, over a span of two years. It's true. <laughs> it's true. This is our second year now. That's right. There we go. That's right. Yeah. Go. Looking so, forward to it. So interestingly, uh, a few items that kind of caught my uh, my eye over, over the last week or so mm-hmm. uh, have been related to kind of women inside professional sports, which I think is very interesting. So uh, uh, you know, most people will kind of recall Sarah Fuller, the kicker on, on the Vanderbilt yes. uh, football team. She came from their soccer team and kind of, you know, I think she even scored a, a goal, if I'm not mistaken, right? Extra point. Um, she had an extra point. The Vanderbilt was point. bad, so she didn't get a lot of kicking opportunities to kick off or to drive <laughs> field goals or anything. But I think she got an extra point in there. Yeah, so. yeah. But anyway, but it was it was uh, it was kind of a marquee moment. Uh, and then uh, earlier this week, uh, uh, Becky Hammond made history by becoming the first female. coach coach to lead the team during a regular NBA game. Yep. So uh, coach uh, uh, Greg Popovich was ejected. I'm not sure whether it was on on purpose or or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. but he made history either way with with that with that one swift move, right? It, it's it's hard to call that, you know, he's the king of load management, but if that was a move say in April <laughs> and he was a little fed up, maybe we could That's call right. that his load management. But I don't yeah. think in week 1 you could call it that. Yeah. So anyway, Becky's name has been thrown thrown around a while. She's been his assistant. I think she yep. coached uh, some of the summer league, some some of the summer games, and other sort of things. So she's been part of the uh, or, or organization there, and I and I think we're going to see her trailblaze throughout the league some more. Um, right. And then the other the other item from uh, this week is the Boston Red Sox hired Bianca Smith as a as a minor league coach uh mm-hmm. for their for their team. Uh so she is now the first black woman to serve as a coach in professional baseball history. Yeah. That's that's groundbreaking kind of, kind of cool as well. Groundbreaking for sure. 
Yeah, not not the first uh, Major League Baseball story earlier in the year. Uh, Kimberly Ng uh, made uh, the uh, GM role for the Miami Marlins, which is kind of a big big deal too. But anyway, um, if we ended the year, I guess with uh, you know women in sports, uh, maybe that'll be the the sort of how you know the year continues. Twenty twenty one might be might be the year of uh, more women getting into more sort of uh, roles within you know professional sports. So that's. That's all good. We'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, maybe a launching pad here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway, um, also, uh, Mike, a few things uh, came up. Uh, So uh, if you remember a couple of months ago, we made this, you know, prognostication around, uh, you know, teams taking care of their, you know, professional assets, if you will, the athletes are their assets and kind of uh, how they might be throwing in some COVID regulation into into their contracts, right? Right. Uh, That... I haven't seen that happen yet, but according to ESPN, it looks like the NBA is going to be requiring its players and many team staffers to wear sensors during all team-organized activities starting January 7th. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think they had they had ideas that they kicked around with the bubble back when they went to Orlando around yeah. uh, contact tracing, and and they never got off the ground. Um, and and you know, with with closing everything off, maybe that was their attempt at at at, at maybe they need it because of that closeout. But now that we're out in the world and they're back to their home cities, um, I'm not surprised at this. I think uh, it it does have a lot of implications from a privacy perspective. But, you know, each player is going to have to opt in. I'm sure they're going to have to opt in. And, and, you know, there's enough money on the line. I don't think any player is going to opt out. Well, that's exactly it. If uh, this is required. I I think this is sort of Adam Silver's way of sort of trying to control, uh, you know, the revenue and make it as – as consistent as possible. I think we saw sort of the NFL kind of fall apart there towards the end of the season, right, in terms of uh, just games. And, and and the NCAA also in terms of a lot of games being postponed, the schedule really sort of coming off off the rails, right? And maybe this is one way to try to control it. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. But, but it is interesting. Right. And you remember just a week ago on the second night of the season, the Rockets had to postpone a game because they got below eight men for, for their roster. Yeah. And you right. you just, just run the right. numbers. So an NFL team needs, you know, I think it's maybe 10 guys get knocked out and they can't dress to, to play the ball game. But in NBA, you only start with, what, 14 or 15 that you dress and knock out a couple. You start getting right. pressure down towards that eight. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And this, you know, ties us back to our kind of ongoing, you know, COVID discussion. I mean, COVID is still here. Uh, looks like we have a new variant of the virus, which is more transmissible, unfortunately. So we're kind of going in the wrong direction here in terms of uh, how this is impacting sports. A couple of things that I would like to call out. So uh, interestingly enough, as we've talked about this throughout throughout this sort of episodes that we've had, uh, but Sports Illustrated and New York Times editorial board uh, both came out with sort of very strong uh, substantive pieces around, you know, criticizing the NCAA uh, for putting profits over health of athletes, which I thought was very interesting. Um, we we haven't sort of seen that. This was kind of, it, it shocked me a little bit because I almost felt like this was getting normalized in the media a little bit. Okay. And here we have finally somebody kind of making, making a call. Um, Maybe they listen to our podcast. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I can only hope so. But but the point here is that um, it is interesting that they're also calling uh, calling on this and kind of making uh, making their points about this. Yeah, you know, a lot of this thing is it, it's 
so many complicating layers to it. Um, and now that we've seen sports back on for five, six months, um, and we're into this winter season, you know, in the end, and, and we're seeing some of these these universities now canceling women's basketball, yeah. right, is one of the, the, the most recent news events. You know, I, I think in places where you're, you're a lot of revenues under pressure, they're going to find ways to play. And then maybe in other, exactly other uh, venues and things where revenue is not really under pressure, they're going to maybe cite uh, health reasons for, for, for canceling the season. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think I'm being cynical with that. I think that's just what we're seeing. No, um, I think, so. I think you're right. And I think, I think, uh, you know, as, as you said, you know, Duke and SMU women's basketball teams cancel their, their seasons that those are sort of the, uh, you know, latest news from a uh, last week or so. Uh, I think the Ivy league just decided not to have a season at, at, at all. Okay. Uh, yeah, in, right. in any of their sports. Right. And then, uh, uh, D2 Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, the CIAA, canceled its basketball and volleyball season. So you can, you know, it's it's hard not to be cynical, like like you said. But you know, when money's on the line, they will find a way to play. And and unfortunately, this is that you know again at the expense of uh, you know everybody else. That's right? seemingly so. Yeah. So uh, that I think it'll continue to evolve over this next uh, quarter or two as you know vaccinations yeah. spread out and and sports continue to be played. Yeah. So. All righty. So let, let's, we just have a couple quick top, not, not top stories, quick uh, little segments to open the show here, Vlad. And, and I was thinking over this, over the holidays, and I wanted to share this riff with you. I had this little idea okay. of a riff. And that was, we had talked uh, early in the fall about the, both the NFL and the NBA and how their players have uh, bargained for a percentage of the overall league revenues. So let's let's dive into that for just a quick second on a quick riff. So when we looked at the NFL, the NFL players have bargained, collectively bargained their way to a 48% share of league-wide revenues. Okay. okay. And we know that that the league is somewhere between 12, 13, 14, 15 billion dollars right now. We'll talk about yeah. that yeah. later in the show. But I was just wondering, what would that look like if a power five school in football got a 48 share of the revenues? Right, Mike, you're you're playing with fire here because this uh, could hey, literally take us into an hour of th- conversation. This could, but, but it's just a quick <laughs> I'm, I'm trying riff. to be disciplined I just, here. I want to wet your appetite here, folks. <laughs> wet your because no one's talking this in the media. Yeah. Imagine Ohio State pulled in a hundred million dollars in football revenue in 2019. Eighty-five scholarships would split a forty-eight million dollar pool. It's simple math, right? That's $560,000 per player if everybody was paid equally. Star quarterback to 85th scholarship guy that's not going to play, right? Yeah. That's It's just simple math, folks. Nobody's talking that. And you say there's no money. Well, it's because all that money is going over to facilities, build out, coaches, things we've always talked about. I'm just riffing. Coaching salaries. Coaching right? salaries. I'm just riffing. Yeah. Imagine this riff, guys. So Ohio State has effectively 560000 they could pay per player if they use similar numbers to an NFL rev share right. uh, schedule. Okay, just a riff. All right, Vlad. Well, let's let's just talk basketball and and just do a quick little riff on these guys here too. We'll go we'll go like for like. Let's let's we we found some Kentucky numbers and I've got numbers here from Forbes that show that and, and the story was like, what are they really going to miss with March Madness being canceled? Yeah, yada, yeah. yada yada. They, they said th- between 2016 and 2019, Kentucky was the leader, averaging 56 million dollars in wow. annual revenue. Okay, so let's do our math. We said NBA players bargained for a 50 share. So cut that in half, 56 down to 28. And then you cut 28 million across 15 players. 
what are you running? You're running $1.92 million per player if you got your, your rev share like an NBA player does. Yeah, for, for right? a top flight it, program, right? Top flight program. And now now slide it down and, and take maybe an average run of the mill, maybe take a University of Dayton or a, or a Xavier, and you're going to cut that down a lot. Maybe that comes from $2 million down to one or to 500000 depending on the math, sliding scale down. Um, but, but it's still notable. Is still notable, and I wonder when we'll start to see players start to go up that curve. Yeah, it shows how big the numbers are. It's and it's just incredible. And we have and we have parity with other sports leagues to kind of give us a sense of where that usually lands. So um, again, gives you a sense of how much of uh, of that revenue is. You know, this is a strong word, but I, I would argue robbed from the athletes who you know are are making these programs. No doubt. It's, it's, yeah. uh, but here we are, as we said in our year ending show of 2020, lots going to change the NCAA this year. And yeah. I think this is just thought it was a riff. I thought of over the holidays. So, yeah. um, yeah. that's how I thought we'd kick off the year, Vlad. Another one I wanted to throw at you, Vlad, is, is <laughs> just in doing a little research for this show, I heard of this company, Jim Shark. Do you, do you know Jim Shark? Uh, not before our conversation about this. This was very interesting. Yeah. 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 So Gymshark is just killing it in the fitness clothing industry. So that's sweat, spandex, even sneakers. And, you know, Vlad, that category is $176 billion category in 2019. Wow. I think it even grew in 2020 uh, with folks focusing on fitness as something to do back home. And, yeah. Yeah. and we know the big players. Nike's a $39 billion. Uh, they have $39 billion in sales. Adidas is $20 plus billion in sales. So really yeah. big guns, wow. right? Yeah. And we know the strategies of those companies, they pair with big athletes. They've done it for decades, right? Everybody knows the names. They pair with big athletes. But Gymshark is, is doing it a different way. And I just wanted to shout out to them real quick on a couple of things here, Vlad. So the first one is the founder, Ben Francis, he was a weightlifter in, in the United Kingdom, right? And he was trying to find a way to show off his guns. He had a little bit of success. He's got a little <laughs> bit of some guns going and he couldn't find any clothing that matched up to that. So he, he starts making some clothing and he starts selling it around. He starts making maybe three, $400 a day. Yeah. But he takes a right turn and he says, I got to do something with social media. He starts throwing things on TikTok, Instagram. And what he does is he was throwing his shirts on fitness gurus across the planet that he said, do you be the person you are, but wear my shirt. And he jumped up to $45,000 a day. From in, a, in return for some kind of promotion, obviously, right? He's And he's paying these folks like 500 bucks yeah. a month. Hey, wear my shirt while you're working out, while you're doing your life. And he's basically just kind of gone guerrilla style on disrupting the fitness space. And it's become 18 to 25 year olds, like one of their top clothing items for folks that are working out. So the articles say, I'm far away from that, that band of uh, uh, that generation. But um but then the interesting one here, Vlad, is this guy won, you know, global Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year. And then the company is now valued at $1.5 billion. Gymshark. Wow. $1.5 billion valuation. That's that's tech valuation, right? Yes. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, there. This is, this is an interesting model, and I think we're going to probably see more of this. Um, I'm drawing a blank now, but there's a, there's a woman's line of uh, underwear 
And I apologize. The only reason I know this is because I did see a headline in the New York Times. So this is not yeah. this is not something that okay. I'm looking at. <laughs> so, okay. But they're doing something very similar, actually, and and they're um, they are basically sending their gear, if you will, to certain influencers throughout the social media space, and and are gaining a lot of traction uh, and and sales through through this kind of guerrilla marketing thing. And I and I believe that I bet through you know TikTok. And others, we're going to see more more of this, right? I believe that. And you know, we talked uh, again back a month back. We talked about Curry, and he launched his brand with Under Armour. Yeah. That's been the traditional play. But I just really love this innovative use of the social media channels, kind of going with more everyday folks that are just fitness gurus in a lot of great shape, and they're now get them to wear your gear, and that's yeah. how you get known. Um, yeah, you get we're, your, your we're brand out there. We're going to see more of this. Yeah. We're going to see more of this for sure. It's yeah, super authentic. I love very the idea. Now I want to see who's going to do this for somebody greater than 18 to 25, because we're just not in that 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 band right now, Vlad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. maybe there's a, a business opportunity in there. So great. So uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to uh, we're going to tackle our top stories. We're going to go a little bit into into some innovation in terms of some uh, new sports leagues that are coming up, and then we're going to talk about how the top leagues are targeting revenue uh, in the next year and beyond. We are having a blast crafting this show, and are so grateful for our listeners that tune in each and every week. We aim to bring you interesting stories opinions, and yes, sometimes a hot take or two as we analyze and discuss the business angles to the dynamic global sports scene. Just like any team sport, we could use an assist or two in helping us get out our show to more listeners. I bet you didn't know that we have listeners in 27 states. That's a great start, but we know there's more out there that would dig our show. So if you don't mind, drop us a dime and pass us along to your neighbor, Fantasy Sports League, or that weekend warrior buddy of yours that never misses a 5K. And make sure you have subscribed too, so that you never miss a show. We appreciate you. Keep on listening, send us some feedback, and stay on point, my friends. All right, we're back. Uh, so uh, for our top stories, the first top story here today, I'm going to kick us off, Mike. Um, a couple of interesting new leagues are popping up, actually, if we can call them that. Uh, both are going to be starting their operations in uh, February. Mm-hmm. We kind of stumbled upon these, and I thought it'd be it'd be a good way to kind of kick off the year because it's it's a new year, so something new to talk about also, um, and also provide a little bit of a of an exposure to them. It, it, there's still a lot of uh, questions that I think are are unanswered in terms of how they're going to operate, but it's interesting to see that some people are looking at some new innovative things. So, so the first one is a snowboarder tour uh, called the Natural Selection Tour, and the second one is a, a U.S. Professional Women's Indoor Volleyball League. So okay. both both kind of that have you know sports that have been you know big throughout the U.S. in the in the past, but but now now they're kicking off something uh, official. So the Natural Selection Tour is a uh, snowboarding tour. It is by invitation only. So I think they're being kind of selective who's uh, who's who's on it. It's going to kick off uh, here shortly in the first week of February, and it will be you know played if you will or you know performed. In three cities, uh, Jackson Hole, um, which is the hometown of the tour creator Travis Rice, uh, Baldface Lodge in British Columbia, and Tordrillo Mountain Lodge in Alaska. And then what they're going to do is, so they're going to go through these three cities, and then the top finishers are going to go head to head 
in Alaska where the best men's and women's sort of all mountain freestyle riders, if you if you will, will be will be crowned in late March. Right. So that's that's this is according to their to their to their website. Um, Couple of things that caught my eye here, Mike, which I thought was interesting and you know relevant to one of our calls for you know what 2020 is going to look like. This is going to be streamed through Red Bull TV. Okay. Uh, Red Bull TV is an app um, that has a number of other different shows and events and films and that kind of stuff. Uh, it allows offline viewing, event reminders. It's you know a bit of a marketing play for them, but yeah. um, but this is where 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 it's going to show. So. Mike, your your thoughts on this one? Yeah, a couple top line thoughts. First off, I, I I think Vlad, we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye out on little innovative innovative ideas as they kick off this year because I think one of the things we're gonna see is a lot more experimentation uh, across twenty twenty one. We saw yeah. a bunch in twenty twenty with folks trying to come up with new models. I think it's gonna continue in twenty twenty one. So I like these two as, as something to talk about. Secondarily, February to me is kind of. Tuesday for restaurants. You know, all the deals on <laughs> on, on at a restaurant are Tuesday night because it's right. the slowest night right. of the week. And February seems that way from the sporting landscape where, where yeah, NFL so the Super ends. Bowl's over, right? Super Bowl's over. March Madness conquers yeah. March. And and NBA is such a, a regional thing and you know, in, in a local markets. They don't have a lot of national presence at that time. So so kind of I see great, great spot to potentially land these things. And and then we've also seen just tie another idea together here, Vlad, is that traditional sports since COVID hit have faced a lot of headwinds in their, in their viewer ratings. And so uh, good on uh, a Red Bull trying to take opportunity to say, Hey, come watch our app. Uh, It's free. You know, we might hit you with some ads around our product, but come watch our app, come watch some innovative tour. And then I think what what we're going to learn here that the the U S professional volleyball is going to be on CBS. Right. Uh, Yeah. And I'll, and I'll get into that in just one second. Yeah. 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 Um, So, so this natural selection tour, this is sort of the second coming of the tour. It first kicked off in 2008. Also organized by Travis Rice. um, And it it was in Jackson hole, his uh, hometown. So he's been trying to tinker with it ever, ever since. Uh, And I'm, I'm, a little sort of suspect about the Red Bull participation and kind of them being the um, kind of the channel to market this. And, you know, I, I do hope that it doesn't become kind of a big marketing sort of uh, venue essentially for, you know, Red Bull. Uh, I think there's some fear there, obviously, but, you know, uh, that's that's what I'm a little af- a little afraid of. The, the interesting aspect of this, based on, on their statements on, on the website, this is not going to be your typical kind of, you know, snowboarding when, you know, you have cameras and kind of looking at the, with the poles and, you know, skiers going, going around the poles. It's going to be much, very much focused on sort of the cinematic aspect of the tour. These three places have been selected, I think, for their kind of, you know, physical beauty. They're kind of putting, as, as they say, Mother Nature is the sort of the real star here, right? Yeah, okay. So it becomes a little bit of a, of a kind of a, you know, marketing kind of, you know, setting, if you will, and I'm, and I just hope that it, that it doesn't, that doesn't overpower, kind of what you're watching, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll, it's an experiment, we'll see how, it, how it goes. It's an experiment, it, it is right? an experiment, and and good on them because as as you and I talked about this, Mike, but you know, in Europe, there's a very established sort of long-standing winter tour for skiers and all other sort of winter winter sports there's nothing like it in north america that's sort of at at that level okay so this is there's a there's a blue ocean here quite honestly if uh, someone can get it right and 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 maybe maybe this is the sort of the 
you know, the, the first take of that. Right? Maybe. We'll see. And, and, and the comment I made a moment back where traditional sports are facing a lot of headwinds and for viewers, that's, that signal is that they're looking for new and innovative content. So maybe there's that's a right. matchup here of, that's right. of, of people are looking for something fun and different and in February is a place to land it. It's the gray winter month, you know, where folks get tired of that winter. And maybe this is a way that cinematic angle of, of telling stories in the mountains could be a, a, a fun thing. So we'll watch for that, Vlad. And and good for and good for these um, innovators who are looking at, at at ways to you know position this because now you're not you're not subjected to you know ESPN schedule or CBS Sports schedule or you know ESPN three or you know whatever the sort of you know traditional channel of showing sports is right there are other sort of ways that you can now showcase sports and maybe we'll see more companies like Red Bull doing stuff where they create their own channel effectively to create a you know streaming experience because you can now watch it on any device so you know that's good for sports as well right that's right and, and maybe there's an opportunity that comes at them through the back door is if some of the more traditional sports have to go into shutdowns or not playing through this window right um may, maybe right. maybe an angle emerges there too if not right. we're, and, what, what do we see i mean duke basketball's on every saturday afternoon or saturday night through right. uh january right. and february and so this gives an alternative at least to that no no shade yeah. on duke but but they do take up the tv landscape at least from a college perspective right across Agreed. Agreed. those next 60 days yeah the second Second one, Mike, is uh, is the Women's Professional Indoor Vo- Volleyball League uh, organized by Athletes Unlimited. Um, my daughter plays volleyball, so I'm probably a little more of a you know target market for this this one, which is probably how I found out about it. Also, um, but just like the Natural Selection Tour, uh, this also looks like it's going to be a one time event. Um, maybe again, they're testing the waters to see how it goes to see if they can create a sort of season two, if you will. Um, they did make an announcement earlier in the week where they say that uh, CBS and Fox Sports have partnered with them to carry the games. Um, the quote-unquote tour, or I don't know what you call this, you know, is going to be held from late February to late March. So it's only a month-long kind of thing. You know, there have been numerous attempts at starting a professional volleyball league for women in the U.S. Uh, for those of you who follow the sport, the typical path for a successful volleyball player after college in the U.S. is sort of either you go overseas uh, and play somewhere, uh, most mostly, you know, Europe, but Asia is kind of coming up there too. You go play beach professionally in the U.S. or you retire. And that, you know, retirement could be either coaching or it can be, you know, getting a job. <laughs> it could be anything like that, right? So so this is kind of interesting that they're starting something. There is a need for it, I would, I would argue. Um, just like the skiing season, you know, there, there's not sort of, you know, a, a lot of it here. Um, it's innovative in a sense that they're looking at um, some kind of alternative ways of scoring, so it's not like your typical kind of, you know, one point for each ball. They're, they're you know, adding points based on whether you, you know, successfully executed like a, you know, like a pass and a hit or a kill or whether you missed it. If you miss something, they, you know, deduct points. So that's kind of interesting. But uh, they're also not tying the teams to cities, which is your sort of typical traditional standard. You know, if you think of like, you know, Seattle Seahawks or, you know, something like that, right? They're yeah. not going to tie the teams to the city. So I'm sort of curious how this is going to play itself out. There's not a lot on their website about what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I'm, I'm a little curious about that to see whether whether I would sort of give it a thumbs up or okay. not. Uh, yeah. But kind of interesting that, that they're exploring this, right? Yeah, no doubt. And, and you see the adjacency, as you said, the U.S. already has that summer beach tour with uh, with volleyball, right? And they go to a lot of major cities and stand up 
um, stand up an event, you know, on, on, on Lake Michigan and Chicago and they do it and they stay there for a week. Right. So there's some adjacency to that, but again, right. landed, landed in February, this is an indoor game. And if you're putting in what I like here, Vlad most is that these still are supposed to be the best in the world. Right. So this is going to be pros, um, That's right. that are yeah, post-college. So Jordan, right? Jordan Larson, who is like the Michael Jordan of, you yeah. know, of women's volleyball has been tapped to be kind of one of the board members or the, you know, participants in this league. So she's, she's behind it also. Right. Yeah. So, so if there's an opportunity for the world's best to be showcasing in either this volleyball tour or that snowboarding, if it's world's best, you'll catch eyeballs and then it's a test and learn. And, you know, if this thing goes well, then I think just like any other innovative company, once you test and learn and prove your economics, prove that you draw eyeballs, uh, sponsors will flood in, even more athletes might go that way and you might get different viewing um, right opportunities so that, that you could see how they they could get some momentum off of this this little launch pad yeah and and they're doing it also in the middle of the of the NCAA women's volleyball season which has just been announced that will it, it, it will start in February and go through I think the end of March and then the NCAA final will be somewhere in sometime in April if I remember this correctly but so so they're kind of playing playing off of the attention to the sport in the same time frame right okay um, which is kind of interesting but but again still not a lot out there about it so I'm curious to see how it goes and we'll keep our eyes on it and maybe even have one of their executives come and interview with us to talk a little bit more more about it so we'll keep our fingers crossed there let's do it looking forward to seeing how that plays you said uh, yeah. first week in February or so right uh, this one is actually end of February. Right. The uh, skiing, uh, the skiing portion comes in first week of February. Good deal. Uh, so, you know, something something to look out for for the next couple of months. Good deal. Well, thanks, Vlad. Uh, I really like that innovation angle, and uh, we continue to look for those uh, through the year. So our listeners, if you got things that you know of, throw them at us. Throw them yeah. at our inbox or, or tweet them at us or however you want to get in touch. If you really know us, text us, however. I'm <laughs> uh, yeah. not throwing the phone number out on the pod, but uh, uh, look forward to seeing how they develop. So Vlad, I'm going to take us into our, our second top story of the week, if you're ready here. Yeah. As we kick off 2021, we wanted to just take a, a, a little look into the top, seemingly the top two leagues in the, in the U.S., the NFL and the NBA, and just kind of take the pulse at how they're going to achieve some uh, revenue targets that they've stated or some some uh, revenue ambitions that they've, they've publicly commented yeah. on. Um, and, I, and we have a little bit of a, a dissection here, Vlad, as, uh, as we look into these two. So let's let's go NFL first and, and just quick look back in 2010, the NFL published that they wanted to be a $25 billion business by the late 2020s. And they pegged it at 2027. But at the time they were a $10 billion business and they said, we want to be a $25 billion business in the late 2020s. And at the time that would throw them in with very large global brands. That would have been McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, we heard the Nike numbers earlier at the time that was probably on par with Nike. Um, so they want to get there as this big, big brand. And, and so it's been speculated back then and continuing now, how would they get there? And let's just riff on that a little bit with where we are now after this, that the pressures on revenue that, that COVID has introduced here, Vlad. And let's talk about maybe some ways that they're going to juice this model and continue on their, their rise. Uh, Cause that they've continued to grow from that stated goal yeah, and, and have been yeah. very successful. Right. So Vlad, we saw this week, that there's more and more talk of the 17th game becoming a reality yes, and, and likely even next year. Um, yeah. and 
you know, the mechanics of a 17th game, Vlad, are that they likely take one away from preseason and and they play one more one more game. But some of the wrinkles to this, Vlad, is that there's debate as to who gets the home game in that instance. Right, <laughs> right. You know, and I right. think I think you could be innovative here where you maybe go to new venues. A neutral site. Neutral site. Expand the sport, yeah. Double headers. Yeah. Overseas. There's, that'll be fun to watch if that comes to life next year and how much they experiment on that idea. Yeah, and right? they'll probably, you know, weigh in whether, you know, that makes them more money or whether putting in a certain market, why, you know, whether the, whether the local teams would rather keep the revenue in their own market, right? Being that this is sort of the kickoff of the season, if, if you will, right? Yeah, and do you take turns? If you get the 2021 17th game, then the next year you're a road game, right? So That's just right. see yep. where that goes. Um, so 17th game is, I think we're going to hear a lot more about that. Another one, Vlad, as we've talked in other shows, is how they're going to get there from their their media deals. And one of them being that the new media deals are going to kick up in 22 and 23. Going to ask for more money. Going to yeah. ask for more money. There's no question. Yep. Um, yep. And there's talk of that going up maybe 2X, 3X from some of the current deals. Because they spliced the deals into like the Sunday night game, the Monday night game, the everyday week package on Sunday afternoons. <laughs> like they've got all these cuts, the Thursday night game, and good on yep. them, right? They're basically, yeah. they've created this menu and you can bid on all these different segments of the menu. And there'll be new, there'll be new media partners coming in as well. I mean, There's Amazon that. kicked off, am, right, with their right. with their streaming game. Interesting thing about Amazon, by the way, I do have some friends in the in the Bay Area. So the first game was uh, 49ers versus Cardinals, right? Yep. Um, in the Bay Area market, it was actually shown on uh, local TV, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And just a quick little call out. I think, Vlad, we'd seen they, they got about 5 million viewers, average viewers through Amazon alone. Yes. Layering Which I think is in, pretty big. That, that's their biggest numbers ever. Um, because remember uh, to our listeners, that was not simulcast. So that wasn't Amazon plus CBS or Amazon plus Fox. Right. It was Amazon right. only. And then as we said, Niners and Phoenix local markets got their local channel. Yeah. But but yeah. that's that's a really interesting five million viewers is an interesting average. An yeah, NFL typical game gets between seven to fifteen on matchups, time of year, all that jazz. So that's still pretty good performance. I right? would say that's not bad at all, actually. Yeah. I mean that that would be a success in my in my book. Yeah, I think Amazon uh, really did well there. Um, so when we've talked this in other shows that I think there's going to be some of those new media uh, 100%. bids yep. on those packages yep. and they're going to drive up the price. There's no question that'll drive up the price. So if a legacy channel wins it, they're going to pay a heck of a lot more, <laughs> yep. right? Yeah. Because um, of those deep pockets uh, and different business objectives of an Amazon or yep. a YouTube TV or whoever decides to go there. But Vlad, just continuing this thread on NFL, um, we know gambling is going to be another part in the gambling revenues. I think it's yes. going to become more than just a patch on their practice jerseys. You know, it's going to oh, become. Yeah, well, it's I, well, I think become, the patch on the practice jerseys and on the game jerseys, I think it's coming. I, coming. I just see that coming 100. Yeah. Um, but this whole gambling thing, I think, is coming in going to be very, very strong. I mean, I'm seeing. You know, I think I called out. You know, we call this out as one of our trends for 2021. Right. And you're absolutely right. This is going to be a major re- revenue source for them. You know, we called out NBC, but now we see there's a CBS Sports. Uh, you know, uh, you know, app. 
you know, betting app that's coming out. There are others. So this will be this will be a huge number for them. I'm, and I'm curious to see if they're ever going to break this out, right, to see how much they're actually getting from stuff like gambling. Yeah, and stitch in another idea of Lod here is that there's talk of the sports books moving into the venues. You know, yes. way back we talked yes. about Wrigley Field. Then we've yeah. heard about, you know, where um, the, the, the one in Washington, D.C., I don't know its name right now. It started as MCI Center. Uh, Who knows I think what the it Capital is now? One Arena. Capital One Arena, mistaken. right? These yeah. are getting sports books. Yeah. And yeah. you know there's going to be a rev share off those sports books and branding yes. opportunities. So um, yet another thing that's going to juice NFL revenues. And man, I, I'm not going to be a guy that says they're not going to make that $25 billion target. They're, they're getting a lot of signals that suggest they're continuing to build. Um, and then let's throw one more thing onto this, this heap and then we'll move over to the NBA. And I think, I think we'll see some more innovative league wide sponsorships. We already see yep. them now, Vlad. Yep. Um, but maybe there's even more deals where brands want to associate even more with the premier league. And that's, excuse me, I shouldn't have said premier league, not Europe. It's premier league. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the top league in the U S premier isn't a top yes. professional league. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll see more there and maybe even big announcements that might come. I, I think so. And in the NBA, Mike, you're seeing, you know, Nike is a sort of league-wide sponsor. All the uniforms are made by Nike, right? right. Um, I think there's probably others. Uh, I, I think the WNBA has AT&T as like the sort of league-wide sponsor, and every jersey has an AT&T logo on it. Um, I can see stuff like that happening in the in the NFL, similar to like the you know the global sponsors of the of the World Cup or all of like the um, Olympics. You know, it's Visa and McDonald's and sort of like that. I can see sort of certain uh, you know brands coming in and basically being uh, being part of that sort of league wide sponsorship where they get exposure in every market. Right. That's it. Yeah. So for, for just for our listeners, we, we wanted to just take a pulse of that as we kick off this year, got another month or so of NFL, we're about to hit playoffs. There'll be some stories that emerge there, but, but geez, we'll see the numbers from the COVID influenced revenues from 2020, but it sure yeah. looks like they're still on a, on a nice uh, rocket shot to hit that target Vlad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's just dive over an NBA real quick. And, and why I link these two Vlad is just last week as the NBA started, uh, Commissioner Adam Silver talked about uh, some outlooks for the league, and he threw into the heap that the the increased expenses and the and the missed revenues due to COVID and the pandemic actually have created some new ways to think about their future. And, yes. and so while we don't have revenue targets for them, uh, he didn't speak to those and they're certainly a much smaller league than the NFL. Um, they equally, equally ambitious, they're, they're maybe equally not at ambitious, the same level, but they're seen ambitious, as yeah. the most innovative. Yeah, um, they are, uh, they've yeah. got, Vlad, they've got interestingly 30 teams and the NFL yep. has 32 and Adam yep. Silver actually pointed to maybe expansion is one of the ways that they increase revenue overall in yeah. the league. Right. Yeah. Adding a couple more teams, I I believe is the news that we've heard, right? Potentially, right? And and there's speculation. He wouldn't he wouldn't comment on this number to speculation. An expansion sure. fee could go north of a billion dollars. Wow. Right. So wow. on yeah. a league that maybe is an eight or nine billion dollar league, that's, that's you, a big you, number. You yeah. juice it with a billion on a one time event, that's a super that's a super sized injection of cash. Um, and then do that right? twice. And then do that twice. Like, you know, 20, 20, 25 percent bump, right? That's right. right there. And then you increase viewership in new markets yeah. and, and you, we all can see how that 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 momentum builds there. Um, yeah. but just some particulars of that, Vlad. We haven't seen expansion in the NBA since two thousand and four. 
I bet most folks couldn't even be able to call this out because it was just kind of a redo. It was Charlotte. Charlotte got a team again yeah. after their team moved. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but but let's just the only other move I think I think Vancouver moved to Memphis right, and then Seattle moved to Oklahoma City. But that wasn't an expansion. There was just a move of there the was teams, just moves. right? Yeah, there's just um, moves. Yeah, but that, I don't know if that generated you know any additional fees for the league, but I think the expansion would be the one that would actually move the needle for them. Right? No question, especially if you're talking a, a one billion in North, um, right? Right. That, that could be spread out across the across the league. So, but let's just riff on them for a minute to say how would they be thinking about uh, juicing their revenues over a kind of a five year outlook. Um, and, and I think they'd be right there just as we talked about the, the NFL with sponsorships and partnerships. I think the yeah. NBA would be too. And they're on some level, they're more of a global game than the NFL with, with, you know, top flight basketball played in Europe, right? I've, top flight yeah, basketball and, played and Asia, in Asia and Asia and in some yeah. in South America, there's yeah. top flight basketball yeah. that, that maybe there's some partnerships there that could be innovative. Um, both at, at league, league, league to league, maybe it's league to brand, something like yeah. that, that could juice the revenue. Um, I think we don't see this enough, but I think they're going to do even just as the NFL is trying new media channels, Vlad, I think we'll see new stuff here too with the NBA um, where maybe, maybe the big guys of the Amazons and YouTube TV get in even more uh, to NBA um, uh, broadcasting. Right. Yeah. And they've, they've gotten really behind their uh, NBA channel, uh, yes. NBA.com uh, yes. sort of app as well. They're actually broadcasting more uh, games through that channel than through you know TNT and ESPN right so it's interesting you know and and I wonder if they're kind of competing a little bit with those and that gives them an opportunity to you know escalate fees with others like you know if well if you want to bid for this you know game uh, the you know the Christmas game or the whatever game right you need to pony up right and and I think I think they're going to use that as leverage I think more than anything else to be honest with you it sounds right. That sounds right. And here's another one, Vlad, I want to stitch in here. From time to time, you hear them kicking around a mid-season tournament because that drives big-time revenue in other parts around the world, whether it's just soccer. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so what would be the motivations of a mid-season tournament? At the player level, if you don't increase the pot – they're not going to be excited about putting out their best efforts. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's maybe it's the younger guys, or maybe you've got to sweeten the pot enough with sponsors for that tournament. Um, but I think you could also look at that as like that all-star break becomes even a more lucrative break in the season. Set aside this year, things are delayed. We, we don't know how this year will go. But if you go out next year and the year, next couple years yeah. imagine some mid-season break where you have some mid-season tournament i would bet you you could drive some excitement because so many teams and we didn't talk about this expansion a moment ago so many teams start the year without a chance so yeah. does a mid-season tournament give a chance i don't know i just there's a riff on that maybe there's a way to juice kind of the pot um, i'm gonna i'm gonna make a make a little prediction here mike um i think we're gonna see a movement uh that the nba is going to make down market, meaning uh, they're going to try and get into the NCAA's business a little bit more because I think there that's number go. one, a very lucrative business. But we've also seen people like, you know, LaMelo Ball, for instance, who's totally skipped the whole skipped NBA, it. sorry, the NCAA game, skipped right? Skipped it, yeah. Yeah. Went sort of pro from high school, and I and I've heard I've heard LeBron James make comments about this, sort of trying to innovate and think about how to leverage some of these really really top players that don't need to go to college to sort of make a marquee yes. for themselves, yes, and and leverage that into into the NBA. And I believe that they're that they're uh, sort of um, 
um, uh, you know, what's their what's their league? Their uh, sort the of league. developmental the league, league, the right? G League, yeah, yeah, the G League, and I'm and I'm wondering if they're going to use that as kind of a venue where you're going to start seeing those games as well, and some exciting players where they build some momentum around that as well. You're, you're totally, I'm totally very good, curious Rod. about that. I like that one because then you've got now tie in that G League unite ignite. Remember that team they based in Walnut Creek, California? That's going to be guys that skipped college and they get like a half a million bucks salary each guy. That's totally yeah. out of line with the rest of the right. salaries in G League, right. Right? right? So, so as you said, maybe they're going to get into this, this go downscale on the market and, yep. and and juice kind of the younger side to the game, I, kind of a U twenty three or something like that, or a U twenty one type yeah. of thing. Uh, so that could be that could be an interesting angle. Um, yeah. I, I like I like that idea, Vlad. So yeah. just just tying that out, we we think there's there's opportunities there for maybe them to do something innovative, and I'd argue maybe that midseason tournament tie it back to our e- earlier story could yeah. land in February when the yeah. landscape's a little bit barren, and there's an opportunity to land some some marketing driven events in that window. So let's watch. I think the All Star Game is around that time too, so they have to probably be careful about you know that that it doesn't compete. And yeah. I think the All Star Weekend, if I'm not mistaken, they're probably going to tr- transfer it into an All Star Week, <laughs> right? Something. Likely. That's right. Um, some young right? stars, which, which and could all that be jazz. that tournament, right? Yeah. Where they have the rookies, they have the old timers come in and play. I mean, just something like that, right? Where they leverage, uh, you know, their you know brand essentially around around that whole you know. That's totally movement. right. Right. And and yeah. there's there's already doing stuff there. But remember just this last year too, Vlad, they had Elam ending, which is that TBT yeah. ending where you set the score and play to the score and and the stars came out that night. That was so cool. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. so we'll see. Um, but last last wrinkle to NBA growth is just as before. There's going to be some juice from gambling. Um, we 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 know that we we see it more I think than we see in the NFL because you've got court ads, you've got stanchion ads, you've it's got there. scoreboard yeah. stuff. Right, it's yeah. it's already there, full force, and, and that'll continue. And I think it's going to drive some NBA revenues too. So yep. I think so. Yeah. So So kind of just tying those out, we see some similarities on how they'll get there, right? We'll see that. And maybe there's more teams, not the NFL, but NFL is going to go more games. So it's expansion. It's like give more of your good stuff to others. Um, Maybe you do more in the media and then maybe you're going to be doing in gambling. And those are woven across both those leagues, Vod, for sure. All right. Yeah, no, those are, those are good. Those are good. I mean, revenue is, as being challenged across the board everywhere. And I think, you know, innovation is going to drive an expansion into some new revenue models. Absolutely. And I think we're going to, that'll be the hallmark of, I think, 2021 and, and forward. And I think, I, I think that's, Usually good for the sport, um, especially if they can continue to share the revenue with the athletes, right? Indeed, uh, as as they have. <laughs> so at the at know. the professional level, now let's see it at, at the NCAA, <laughs> right. right? Okay, exactly. That's exactly right. All right, yeah. Vlad. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Mike, uh, when we come back, we're gonna hit us. Uh, you're gonna hit us up with uh, with uh, with a first come on man of the year. Is yeah, that right? That's do right. I have that right? Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. We'll be back in a second. All right, Mike. Well, new year, new, new come year. on, man. New come Let's on, man. It. I'm going to kick us off. I think it's going to be a it's a pretty solid one here. So, so <laughs> Vlad, uh, just the other day, the Duke's Mayo Bowl was played in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you're wondering, football. this is football, right? This is football, college football, semi-pro, college football. <laughs> um, it should be pro. Um, it was played between the Wisconsin Badgers and uh, Wake Forest. And, and, and Wisconsin won the game. Good on them. This isn't a story about them winning the game, but this is a story about the trophy. 
Okay. So you know they they give these gaudy trophies for it, it could be no name bowl and they get this trophy as if they're national champs. The thing. Okay. You know they have crystal. They've got silver. There's lots of bling. Well, a mayo jar. Interesting, interesting <laughs> foreshadowing, interesting foreshadowing. So in this ball game, Wisconsin wins the game. They have their little trophy celebration on the field and they take it back to the locker room. And you know, it's all the rage. We film locker room celebrations now and all the dancing, yeah, yeah. the coach that can't dance and all this jazz. Well, they're dancing away, having a great time. Good on them. They should. And the trophy drops and breaks. The crystal ball on uh, the football oh, on man. top. No, no, no. It, it, it gets better. It breaks. It's videoed. You see it. And they actually, they really weren't being negligent. They kind of were just dancing and the thing just kind of slid right off, right? Boom, shatters. And hey, but they weren't done. They weren't done. They rallied. Someone found a Duke's mayonnaise container and they they, they attached it to the trophy and that became <laughs> trophy 2.0. So they did go home with a trophy with a Duke's with a Duke's Mayo container right on top of where the crystal ball used to be. I kid you oh, not. There you go. That's my there come on, man. Uh, so Wisconsin it's, Badgers. It's a, it's a, it's get a crystal on one way or another, right? It's, it's good. So uh, the Wisconsin Badgers went home. They didn't go home without a trophy. They took home trophy 2.0. There we go. There so, we go. all right, Excellent. Vlad. That's my that's what I got there for us. Good show today, Vlad. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, good game. Good game for sure. So thank you for listening. Again, if you listen to us on any podcast platform, please subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, and write us a review. And if you have any comments about our show, please email us. Our email information is in the show notes. Mike, good game. Good game, Vlad. We'll see you next week. 